Let's hop in this morning. It's an hour late, I know, but we got a special show, a very special show. It's the Rules of Engagement episode, and I know we've done Rules of Engagement before, so this is a part of a series. We're going to hop in today. We're going to have a good time. Unfortunately, my man, the Big Flow Show is off and away on a, on a guy's trip doing some fishing, so I'll be in solo mode, but it will not be something you want to miss. Rules of engagement. That's today's episode. And you know how we do in Center Court. We explain just why we named each episode the way that we do. Rules of engagement today. This episode is all about the fight. Because when you think of rules of engagement, the most technical use of the phrase refers to that internal rule or directive for military forces that define the circumstances, conditions, uh, all these things, the manner in which you can use force or actions uh, that might be construed as provocative, when those things can be applied. But in shallow side Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I was born and raised, rules of engagement is just another way to explore when someone needs to Catch a fade. For anyone confused by that terminology, catch a fade, just stay tuned for today's show as we will explore when to fight, what to fight for, how to fight, and more. These are lessons that we should have all learned in our respective neighborhoods, but the truth of the matter is some of y'all neighborhoods failed to teach you properly. In the famous words, of the great philosopher, Toby Unwigwe. Try Jesus, but don't try me, because I throw hands. So let's dive in and throw hands this morning on this round of the Rules of Engagement series uh, and that those episodes of the Ball Hog Sports Talk. Uh, simple and plain, let's get ready to rumble. Wake up, wake up, wake up, and stay woke, because this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South. This is the place where sports, business, and entertainment collide. And we're going to give it to you rough, rugged, and raw, so come get you a spoonful, like some grits with butter. And salt. You know how we do it in the South, y'all. Make sure you do not get caught in your feelings. Strap on your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Come on, let's go, 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 go. What's up? What's up? What is up? You know what it is. It's Friday morning. It's the Ballhawk Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ballhawk, a.k.a. the Mountain South, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration, a.k.a. I'm solo dolo this morning. The Big Flow Show is off on a guy's trip. They're doing uh, some fishing and, and I would probably assume some drinking, hanging out. But the show must go on. And what better show to do solo than this rules of engagement because everybody has different rules of engagement everybody has different triggers to make them fight everybody has that moment when they have to go ahead and cite the great philosopher toby and say try jesus 
Not me. Because I fight. There's been a lot of fighting this week. This week in sports, you know what it is. Ballhawk Sports Talk with Sports Bits and Entertainment Collide. This week in sports was all about fighting. Uh, it was all about fighting. My cousin, Kwame Brown. You know Kwame. Kwame showed out this week. And we're going to talk about Kwame. But before we do, I want to get into the actual fighting because somehow, some way, uh, the judge ruled in favor of Deontay Wilder, and he has earned himself another fight with uh, Tyson Fury, and they're calling it Wilder Fury 3. I don't know why he want to get back in the ring with that man after he made that man ear explode, but he's going to be back in the ring with Tyson Fury. And so actual fighting, heavyweight fighting, I'll start this episode with the, the heavyweight fight to be, which will be Tyson Fury. I think it's scheduled for July. They have alternative date in August. We'll see what happens with that fight. It, it's still in the world of fighting, and I can't believe I'm calling this professional fighting, but at last it is. It is now prize fighting. This YouTuber by the name of Jake Paul, the Paul brothers, Jake Paul being one of them, has a Showtime deal. YouTuber turned prize fighter has a Showtime deal. Can't believe he did it, but he did. And I'm starting this episode of Rules of Engagement with those two stories because they are actual fights, but they they tee us up to the, the, the mood here. Try Jesus, not me, because I fight. I started last week's episode talking about Udonis Haslam because Udonis Haslam was in the game for about 38 seconds before he got kicked out. Udonis Haslam is uh, the latest in the new line of veteran signees that the NBA teams are signing for these people to act as mentors. But what Udonis Haslam has taught us is that there's times in every veteran's NBA career that it's time to fight. And while his example last week was when that time was, other NBA teams are trying to figure out whether or not Udonis Haslam is costing the Miami Heat $2.5 million this year uh, and whether or not he's worth, worth it. These veterans teaching young players in the locker room is sort of the same mentality, same mantra of how Tim Tebow got signed. Uh, I'm not trying to compare Tim Tebow's career to Udonis Haslam. I wouldn't do that. I'm a big UD fan. And he's got a lot more substance and a lot more stats than Tim Tebow. But that new mentality that teams are realizing that their rosters are young, they need someone in the locker room to guide and to mentor is, is really interesting. We'll see if more teams do it. All right. I had to get to at least those real sports topics, right? We, we, we talked about boxing. I talked about UD. But, but now it's time to get to my cousin. Kwame Brown. Uh, I should have put on my, my hat. That's why I started with my hat, my shades, and been in the spirit of Kwame. Kwame Brown, we look, everybody realized that Kwame Brown ain't sitting back taking jokes no more. For years, they've called this man a bust. He has been on everyone's top NBA bust list. But Kwame came out fighting this week. In fact, he came out fighting so strong that I'm not, he, he is like the wire. When they say Omar coming, Kwame coming. Kwame coming and Kwame ready 
to turn this narrative around a bit. So let's dive into that rules of engagement. Let's dive into that fight. Let's dive. Was Kwame right? Kwame Brown has been the butt of all jokes when it comes to being an NBA bust. Kwame Brown has been the first example that you go to when you think of an NBA player that underwhelmed. Kwame Brown has been talked about on so many podcasts, on so many different shows, on the worldwide leader of sports that it seemed as though nobody was ever going to use another name than Kwame. As of this week, I bet, I bet y'all going to use another name when you're talking about an NBA bus because Kwame coming. Kwame coming and said he, he tired of y'all talking about him. Let's go in order because it started with this uh, All the Smoke podcast, which I tend to tune into every once in a while when you're trying to create uh, a thing like we're trying to do, Ball Hawk Sports Talk. You got to look at what's going on in the universe. Look at the competition. And my cousin was the topic on this particular episode of All the Smoke because they brought Gilbert Arenas in there. And, of course, Gilbert Arenas, like so many others, took a shot at Kwame Bryant. Uh, the host of that show, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, piled on and officially became a part of now all the smoke because Kwame won't all the smoke. So if you haven't followed it, I ask you to do a quick Google search, look into some of the conflicts, and we're going to go step by step. Uh, but Kwame Brown's biggest beef with this 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 group of three, group of three NBA greats, I'll even call them. Uh, well, Gilbert Arenas is probably the only one that had a an all star season among the three. But these NBA greats uh, took it upon themselves to basically say and double down that Kwame was a bust. Little did they know. That when it comes to rules of engagement, for Kwame, he finally had the lightning rod moment that was like, enough is enough. I don't care what neighborhood you've been in, you know there's a certain point where you get to that situation is like, enough is enough. To a certain degree, you look at the person like, we done talking. This is either going to be physical or you're going to stop talking, but enough is enough. My cousin, Kwame, and no, I don't know if he's really my cousin, but looking at the facial features and hearing him basically say, try Jesus, not me, because I fight. Knowing my family, I think that Kwame and I got to be related. There was some family tendencies in how he approached this situation. He talked about them one by one. And so when you when you're in the neighborhood, there's rules of engagement. We go, it's called a you know, catch a fade. It's a fair fade, a fair fight, square up. So he went one by one. He ain't jumped nobody. It was just him. He came to the fight, ready to fight, but he said, enough is enough. Y'all gonna stop calling me a bus. You're gonna stop using your platform to 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 mess up my name. Yeah. He said enough is enough. And I think he was using defamation. That's what he said. Defame me or something he kept saying. 
defamate. That's the that's the verb for you. You're gonna stop using your platform to defamate me. So now going step by step, Kwame started with Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, who was really the source of how his topic came up. I will say this about Agent Zero. Agent Zero made it very clear very early he didn't want no smoke because he's seen Kwame Brown and his brother get into a real fight where I think roughly on average about 20 security guards had to stop these two people and get them out of the club. So Agent Zero, the rules of engagement, decided early, I don't want none of that smoke. I'm not messing with Kwame. Y'all could do it if you want to, but that man, he fights. So Agent Zero got out the way quickly. It is what it is. I defuse the situation. I drop this and I'm out the way. But somehow, some way, everybody else fell for the bait. Steven Jackson, who he tells, another grown man, get yourself together, pull your pants up. Stop gang banging. Because you can't be, in one sentence, an activist saying Black Lives Matter, and in another sentence, living a whole different life. Call it what you want to. Kwame Brown pointed out the hypocrisy. Stephen Jackson came back at it. He then also came at who he called Becky with the good hair. If you don't know who Becky with the good hair is, that's Matt Barnes. Calling somebody Becky with the good hair is anything but a compliment. He called that man <laughs> Becky with the good hair and then said she chose just to help you out with the translation what that meant was your previous lady decided to be with somebody else she chose get over it because rules of engagement especially in a room full of testosterone says we can fight over a lot of things we can fight over a lot of things but there's an unwritten rule 103.6 in the guy guy's handbook man code that said we're not fighting over no woman man we're just not fighting over no woman now granted it was his ex and and they have uh, at least one child they have children together uh but but what kwame was saying is that it was a violation of the guy code she chose now we've got to the point fast forward throughout the week and I, 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 I think now Matt Barnes is challenging him or inviting me on the show and also saying we can get together and throw hands. But we are at the point, this tipping point of a conflict. And so it's now time to explore rules of engagement. Was Kwame Brown wrong? Let's hop into the substance of what triggered Kwame Brown. Being called a bust, not only by these three on the podcast, Gilbert Arenas, Stephen Jackson, and 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 uh, I almost said Becky with the good hair, Matt Barnes, all right. But every single pundit seems to call Kwame Brown a bust. Kwame Brown is pointing out, which factually cannot be disputed, that he played twelve seasons, made sixty-four million dollars in his career over that twelve seasons. He's saying that it had nothing to do with him being a bust. Sometimes it's just not a fit. What we call political. There are business angles to sports decisions that come, I, I would say, complicate whether or not an athlete gets the opportunity. So that's what Kwame Brown was saying. And, and so let's hop in. 
when we use the word bust, uh, and I've used it, I'm guilty of using it. You know that anytime the topic comes up, especially around NBA draft, NFL draft time, we love making lists. We love making all-time lists. That's one of the lists that normally comes up. Who is uh, who's on the all-time uh, top bust list in NFL, NBA, NHL? Doesn't matter. I've used the term, and Kwame has me sort of second guessing the term. Uh, years ago, when Jalen and Jacoby, Jalen Rose. They said they were putting the term to rest. And Kwame Brown, ironically enough, two years ago, was discussed in that segment. But somehow, some way, the Up and Smoke guys and others have not really retired the term bust. So let's hop into that. Is Kwame Brown a bust? And what does that mean exactly, being a bust? If you gave me 12 years in the NBA, and pay me $64 million. I wouldn't care about what people think. But the truth of the matter is, is that at some point, it's, it's combustible. At some point, you keep calling me a bust, not a compliment. At some point, you keep putting me on this list, not a compliment. At some point, when every time this topic comes up, you, 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 you somehow, some way, what do you call it? Uh, defame. No, defamate is what he was used. You defamate my name. At some point, I'm going to draw the line and be like, try Jesus, not me, because I fight. Kwame got to that point. He also said that he went further. Not only are y'all going to stop trying me and using my name, defamating, as he said, defamating my name, but I want to point, point out the fact that all y'all, he went at Stephen A. Smith, he even went at Uncle Shay Shay, Shannon Sharp, to his credit, because Shannon Sharp said, basically, he understands him. He went at Jamel Hill. He went at Charlemagne the God. Kwame Brown is saying, try Jesus, not me, because I fight. He is taking, squarely, he is taking on these media personalities, because what he says is, these black folk are using their platform. All of all the people who I just mentioned happen to be black, uh, including Matt Barnes, who he called Becky with the good hair. What he's saying is, is they're using their platform to, this is his use of the word, defamate other black people. And then being opportunist when an incident like George Floyd happens and they're yelling out with a black fist in their hand, Black power, Black Lives Matter. He says you can't do both. And, and, and in an odd way, my drunk cousin Kwame, Kwame coming. You better tuck your chain. Kwame coming. He want to fight. Kwame is definitely a brown. The way he showed up at the party, ready to fight. Looked like he was fresh off of something good. Uh, I, you know, I'm not even going to defamate your name, brother. I don't know that if you was drinking, but you showed up ready to fight. You showed up ready to take on anybody and everybody that was calling your name out. I gotta say we related, man. Cause I done seen my cousin, my uncle, when they rolled up in the sleeves, I saw the look in your face, man. It's universal in every neighborhood. I don't care where you from. For me, it's shallow side, lot of here. I don't care where you from. In every single neighborhood, 
you you know that look, that universal look, and Kwame has had that look all week. But let's explore. Is he right? Is he right? Is he right? Are these media personalities, because media is expanded. So although it's a podcast, Matt Barnes and Stephen A. Jackson, excuse me, and Stephen Jackson in there, all the smoke podcast, because they do have so many listeners. They do have advertisers that give them a platform. They do have the national attention, even international attention, such that it's a platform. Is he right that because of that platform, they have a responsibility not to violate the code? The code that he was talking about is, and I got to respect him, he said there's a fraternity in a locker room. There's a fraternity of basketball players that, that but whether you like it or not, there's a code there. As a, as a member of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, that we all know that any fraternal relationship that you have, there's a code there. There's, there's written rules. There's unwritten rules. There's things you say publicly and, and, and things that you absolutely positively never say publicly. Is Kwame right that these brothers, Stephen Jackson, Becky, no, I'm not going to do that. Matt Barnes, who he called Becky with the good hair. Stephen A. Smith, who's got probably the, the biggest of platforms, is he right when he says you have a responsibility not to, what he calls it, defamate, that's the verb he used, other black people, other black men, more specifically, other members of that fraternity. Kevin Garnett, you go through the names of guys that are media personalities now, but they, they lived in the locker room. They lived by that code. They lived by that sort of unwritten rule that goes along with the fraternity. Are they in violation of those rules when they go on whatever network, say all of these things that suggest concepts like Kwame Brown was a bust? when they divulge things that happen in the locker room because Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas, was really talking about Kwame's confidence and how as, a, as the, the confidence waned because of the relationship with Michael Jordan. Now, I can say a lot of things about Kwame's response because my cousin went off, boy. Kwame coming. Kwame came in by it. There was no Martin Luther King in his approach. Kwame came from straight Huey P. Newton. He, he, wanted, he wanted all the smoke created by these gentlemen from the All the Smoke podcast. But, but when he came in all guns blazing, he, he made me stop and think that he's got a point. And I'm wondering whether or not Am I tripping? Should there be a certain code? He did then call out Stephen A. Like, boy, whenever somebody call you boy, I they serious. When you call a grown man boy like that, with that much emphasis, what you're trying to tell him is, I done got to that point. I ain't going to listen no more. 
So Stephen A. Smith, if you, I, he told that man, meet him in Seattle. Well, hand-to-hand combat is legal. The fact that Kwame knows that you don't need a permit in Seattle is in itself mind-boggling. But he delivered it such that we've seen that look. Your cousin, somebody in your neighbor, we've seen that look. Kwame had that look like enough is enough. He then called Stephen A. out, said, didn't you play basketball? You played basketball. You you never played for 12 years in the NBA and made $64 million. So how dare you fix your face with that hairline way back there and call me a bust? Kwame had a point. You might not like what he said. You might not like how he said it. You might think that Kwame, ah, just be quiet because that's what the people in the circus, the media circus, the people still in the circus, they, they, they got to write him off because... He's basically undermining the entire structure. He's basically telling these guys, the man, corporate America, those who did not and will never be a part of the fraternity and did not ascend to the the, the levels that we did, those people that find the business interests and breaking these stories and having all of this dirt discussed in the public, they throw, they throw up a little dollar and here you go dancing. Woo! Kwame said a mouthful. Now, again, Kwame did not have the career that I thought he was going to have. Kwame did not have the career that Michael Jordan thought he was going to have. But Kwame did play for 12 years. Kwame did make $64 million. Kwame did show some flashes where you could tell he was a great athlete. But Kwame did get to the point where he said, try Jesus, not me, because I fight. Was he right? I, 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 I think what he was trying to say. And, this, and here's where I struggle, because as someone trying to create a platform in what is now from an extension standpoint, consider media. I struggle with that. I struggle with what do you talk about and what, what's out of bounds? And Kwame calling out the guys that were a part of the fraternity, and, and I put air quote fraternity, that basketball fraternity, makes you ask that question. What's out of bounds? When you say certain things that only you know, when you... Continue a narrative like this man who played 12 years and made 64 million and certainly was was a formidable center at some point that presented matchup nightmares because of his athleticism. When you when when you continue the narrative that that he was sorry, because a lot of them have doubled down on it. Right. You know, Stephen Jackson basically is like, don't blame me, blame your basketball skills. They've said all these things that have tried to explain it. And I'm, I'm kind of torn between uh, do they not understand how difficult it is to make it in the NBA? And let's be clear, Steven Jackson, other than the, the, the malice in the palace, the melee in, in Detroit, probably while he was a role player, 
he never made an all-star team. Never, no one has talked about him ever being in the Hall of Fame. He was a role player that played a long time that I don't, I don't think anyone described him as a superstar. Same with Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes was a role player for a long time. Nobody would describe him as a, as a, as a, as a superstar. Yet these two guys from the perch of their podcast are calling Kwame a bust. Agent Zero was a was a star was a was an all star caliber player for fifteen seconds, but but even he's not a Hall of Famer. Kwame Brown is forcing us to have this conversation. What is out of bounds? Can you say in one sentence Black Lives Matter? Can you be down for the cause, be an activist with your black fist up, and then get on TV? And and, and 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 continue the buffoonery of making someone's career into a mockery. As he said, Gilbert Reigns, man, you took food out of my mouth. I found myself really understanding Kwame Brown. I did. I did. I really understood where he was coming from. Because he talked about, you know, you, you talked about you talked about that lady's son, referring to his mama. That was a different form of third person, but it, it hit me right where I I, I respected it. You talking about that? You talking about that woman's son? He 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 then referred to his respect for Kevin Durant's mama, who who, who basically said, "Stephen A, chill out, chill out, bro, chill out." We celebrate and laugh at Charles Barkley, who's quick, quick to defamate. As Kwame Brown said, to defamate a fellow brother. Some of these same media personalities, some of these same figures that I like, that I'm entertained by, are absolutely hesitant to take a side when there's a debate nationally between organizations that support our police department and families that have been ripped apart because of a fatality at the hand of a police. Some of these same figures hesitate to talk about those topics. They run from it like you would not believe. They Usain Bolt, baby. They got pure speed running from these topics, yet they continue to violate the unwritten rules of the fraternity. Was Kwame right? Are these guys opportunists used as distractions that all they want to do is defamate another black man? Now, he got on Charlemagne the God. I didn't like Charlemagne the God's rundown of his whole family's rap sheet. Uh, but as he gave the rap sheet, I was again saying, that's my cousin. Kwame, my cousin, boy. He giving the rap sheet out because I got... <laughs> It is what it is. But Charlemagne the God is running down the rap sheet. This person is this person. And, and, and I was entertained by it the first time I saw it. And then I tried to listen to it again from the lens of Kwame saying that they're using these people to distract us. They're using these people, these opportunists, people that look like us, but but are are, are, are not necessarily for us to have us engaged in this buffoonery. Kwame Brown uh, is probably not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. 
because he showed sure didn't want no peace. He ain't going to win a Pulitzer Prize for what he has done in journalism. But I think that we should celebrate the fact that Kwame Brown is forcing us to have the conversation, whether or not there is a search, such thing as being out of bounds. Now, if I think of it from a fraternity standpoint, the same thing happens inside most fraternities and sororities. There's these unwritten rules that members break all the time. And there's a whole bunch of conflict that goes on, but normally it happens behind closed doors. In, in, in this case, it ain't behind closed doors. I hope that it can end amicably. I hope that, that Kwame Brown gets an opportunity to go on the podcast, All the Smoke, and make them confront a man that they've talked about, they and others have talked about, ad nauseum for years. Kwame Brown, you get the... The, the trial Jesus, not me, because I fight a ward this week. Uh, I know Jamel Hill has been defensive because of one of her tweets. Uh, I, I think he's on to something, and there is a responsibility. We'll see how it plays out. But Kwame Brown, you, uh, you were the source of this particular episode title, Rules of Engagement, because what he was doing is giving the rules of engagement. He was giving the rules of engagement. He was telling you that how, as a fraternity, as a fraternity member, somebody who played the NBA, how you can analyze basketball without attacking someone personally and never take food out of their mouth. We are entertained by it, but we got to remember that everybody that we categorize as a bust, everybody that we smear through the dirt, all of them people got families. And Kwame Brown reminded us, reminded us of that. I got an opportunity to be to play with Curtis Enos. Curtis Enos is one of the people who normally is highlighted on the NFL list of all-time biggest draft busts. Now, he had had several knee injuries at the time. And he was just trying to play, not because, and this is my humble opinion, it looked like it wasn't because of the love of the game. He was in camp in Cleveland with me and, and seemed like a good brother. At that point, he was playing because he didn't want to be on that list. He was playing because he felt like his character had been assassinated because of his injuries, because of his lack of success. And what you'll see is, because it happens over and over again, we saw it again, Rex Chapman this week, uh, who has now created another platform himself, but he talked about his fall from greatness. We've talked about all the guys that have true, sincere, mental health issues because of this concept of a bust because of this concept of not being able to transition to life after football life after basketball life after baseball life after a professional sport when the whole definition has uh, unfortunately the definition of themselves they've been defined by the opinions of others it's emboldened them it's given them strength it's given them courage it's given them the green light to live a certain way, to, to, to walk a certain way. And when that is taken from you, what it does. The transition for anybody is tough. But imagine the transition for someone who was the number one pick. Considered amongst all the prospects in the world, the best prospect, yet it didn't work out. Kwame Brown, you're on to something, man. Uh, having met 
and interacted with Curtis Enos as a teammate and seeing some of the things that he was going through psychologically, you're on to something, man. Uh, I just hope that on your way there, you don't have to throw hands. Uh, I do hope that he gets on the podcast. Sounds like that's in the works. I, I, I do hope that these guys can, from a conflict resolution standpoint, not necessarily uh, catch a fade, but it's to that point. And so I, I, I take my hat off to him for making sure that he uh, addresses it uh, the way that he has. But but as former players, I do think that sometimes Stephen Jackson, sometimes Matt Barnes, sometimes all of these guys are in violation. Now, Stephen A. Smith never made it to that level. And he's a what I would call a true journalist. So, so you know, it does create this gray line because the rules of engagement, the rules of protection that you have in the locker room, do they continue and carry over when it comes to you being a media personality? And that gray line is where a lot of players find themselves. That gray line is where Kwame Brown is saying, don't, 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 don't be somebody else's circus monkey to tell a story and a narrative that is disingenuous, one that does not take into account all the things that have to go right for you to make it. A lot of them are out of your control. Kwame Brown broke that down this week. A lot of the players that you call a bust, you have no idea what really goes on. I've been hesitant. The, the, I told you guys I won the election. An interesting article came out that said former NFL player wins the election. I don't know why they talked about it because I, I didn't talk about the NFL throughout the campaign. But I click on it, and it's a, it's, it's a very interesting article to me that comes from an angle that shows that when given the opportunity, people exploit the shield. They know people, uh, 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 readers, community members, uh, those who follow politics, they know that it's clickbait when they see NFL and they click on it. They use the shield. Now, I rarely talk about the professional football background because I only did it for a very brief amount of time. Uh, but in addition, I've also had that run-in where people are trying to analyze and give worth to whether or not they 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 want to give you props. Like, how long did you play? I go into this back and forth, and it's always an interesting back and forth because they 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 think and, and stick with me with the analogy here. Or oh, he didn't play that long. He must not have been that good. They don't realize that there's only five, maybe six wide receivers on every NFL team. That's roughly 190 people. And the entire world that was able to do what I did. They don't realize that, that some of that was my decision because I never allowed sports and fans and a team or a director of personnel to define me. I had options. I knew I was going to go to law school. It was just a matter of the time. Uh, they don't realize that even in the NFL, the NFL doesn't give you credit for, I was, you know, I tell people like two and a half years, right? Because there is no exact time of when I played. I, I played a certain number of games. That's all the NFL wants to give you credit for. They don't give you credit for the time you're on the practice squad. You mess around the NFL, you have a gap in your doggone resume because they don't want to give you credit for it. Why? Not because you weren't there practicing, uh, doing, taking the risk that everybody else is taking, trying to ascend to the active roster, 
being a part of the look, getting your team prepared. At that point, it was only, I think, five, maybe six practice squad guys. Now they've doubled or maybe even tripled it, which was smart. More, more people get an opportunity. But they don't realize that when you're having that conversation about, about how long you play, NFL don't even give you credit for it. And it's not for any other reason but for pension reasons. Accredited season versus accrued season, that's all money. That's all money. But to the novice person who never been in a locker room, who never been through a training camp, the hardest thing physically that I've ever been through in my life, they immediately are judgmental because they say, oh, well, he didn't play that long, must not be that good. The, the, the other side of that, and this is where I think Kwame was right, there's a fraternity aspect of it that, that when, when Kevin Johnson, who was the first pick of the second round for the Cleveland Browns and was in the receiving core when I was in Cleveland, when he calls me recently, we have a conversation, and he's like, boy, you was a dog, man. You was a dog. And, and, and we, were, we, we know we gave you all the reps in practice because that's what they do to the practice squad guy. He's like, but still, even Ty used to make plays. You was a dog. That really should be the litmus test for real ballers. But sometimes we get lulled into this other world of fandom where people's evaluation of you boils down to how long did you play? And so what Kwame Brown is doing is he's showing this conflict where the, the, the unwritten rule of the fraternity is when I hear from a Kevin Johnson, he talk about, boy, you was a dog. That should be where the definition is. But sometimes, sometimes, somehow, some way, we get lulled into fandom. And somebody else's evaluation of us based on something like, how long did you play? Didn't play that long? Must not be that good. We fall for the rope of dope. Uh, Dennis Northcutt, who was also, I think, the first pick of the second round in the following draft for the Cleveland Browns, ran in him in Vegas. And the litmus test is when I see a Dennis Northcutt, what's up? What up, B. Brown? Yeah, because I wasn't there that long, remember. But when he sees me, because there's a business component of it that says when you're the first pick of the second round, you got way more opportunities. You can mess up, you're going to be all good because there's a business component to it. When he sees me like, boy, you was a dog. That should be the litmus test. But far too often, athletes, and I've been guilty of it too. I just talk, I'm, I'm, I'm being vulnerable here and saying that's why I don't talk about football that much because I know it's going to come with some average fan asking, well, how long did you play? And then the risk of them thinking, didn't play that long, must not have been that good. And as an athlete, as an artist, because I was working on my craft where I had the routes down, pat, I was an artist. I'm an artist, so I'm a sensitive about my ish. We don't like to be evaluated from that level. And so in violation of that other side, the fraternity, that's where Kwame Brown's coming from. It might sound like a bitter has-been that never made it to you all, to the average fan. It might sound like sour grapes to the average journalist. But if you know, then you know that there is a code, that there is truly a fraternity that acknowledges a dog is a dog is a dog.
separate and aside from the business component of it. I hope it's Kwame Brown. Maybe it's going to be B Brown. But somebody needs the platform to tell that side. Because I hate seeing so many brothers becoming depressed, mentally ill because of the transition. Because unfortunately, the platform, the most public platform is, is, is saturated with people that don't know the code. It's saturated with people that have very limited definition of what it means to be a dog, to be a baller. And instead, they use clickbait terms like he was a bust. So I'm feeling you, Kwame, because Kwame coming, tuck your chain, Kwame ready to fight. All right, y'all. Y'all know what we do every week. I ask you humbly. Please like, please comment, please share. Tag your friend, tag your foe, tag anybody that you know. If you are listening in podcast universe, please, please, please subscribe. Tell a friend to subscribe. We got to get on to some more conflicts because this rules of engagement episode, we got some conflicts. Uh, I love this week that we heard about a particular conflict with Jim McMahon. He called Bill Belichick and quote, a piece of dog poop. Uh, pizza-ish. And he talked about it because he said Bill Belichick lied to me. He talked about it from a business standpoint. And then he said that the GM, he saw the GM walking down the hallway in the facility and he said, run me my money. And the GM said something tough to the effect like, I might pay you, I might, I might not pay you. And Jim McMahon wasn't having it. Jim McMahon had the man jacked up on the wall like, nah, you're going to run me my money. Rules of engagement, I don't care where you're from. When it comes to monetary goods, when it comes to getting my money, my money is funny, my credit won't get it, we're going to have to uh, meet me in the hallway. We're going to have to, uh, as they say, get to some furniture moving up here. We're going to have to see a man about a dog if you ain't paying me my money. Jim McMahon, hats off to you, baby. Rules of engagement episode, you absolutely supposed to see a man in a hallway and ask him about my money. Yo, tat, tat, tat. Been about two weeks now. When you, shouldn't I get paid? Jim McMahon, like, everybody know you hide and you hid that money from the bank robbery. Everybody know you hide that money up there, Mr. Jim. Shouldn't I get paid? Jim McMahon, man, you, you, hats off to you, man. Had to highlight you in the Rules of Engagement episode. Now we got to get to a different conflict. Jalen Rose versus Chris Webber. A long-lasting, deep conflict. One that I didn't want to see because these two brothers, both being from the Detroit area, both being the key components of the Fab Five, both having a great NBA career, both now transitioning to having a great media career. Jalen Rose... And Chris Webber, that conflict has been on my mind for a while now. That conflict has been something that I thought was 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 uh, un, 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 unfathomable at some point because these two guys were like brothers. This conflict, I thought, was everything is wrong with high-level sports because at the end of the day, Michigan's beef with Chris Webber then became... Jalen Rose and the rest of the Fab Fives beef with Chris Webber, along with other parties. I'm oversimplifying it. 
But the idea that the conflict around a booster, another black man, Ed Martin, and the admission to guilt or not, and how that NCAA-induced BS, family show, so I'm just going to call it BS. And I call it BS now because look at what the NCAA has to do now. Look how they are acknowledging that these young men making all and young ladies making all the money for the university and getting nothing out of it is unfair. That's why we are at this point with the name, image, and likeness bill. That's why we are at this point in deciding whether or not they're going to be considered employees or not. And they have union protection and collective bargaining rights or not. That's why we're at the point where they have increased the grant and aid and some of the benefits are that were out of bounds are not out of bounds. Because we know it was a sham. We know the Fab Five in terms of overall brand value, in terms of what level of money they brought to that University of Michigan. We all watched the University of Michigan. I know I bought my Harachis. I know I bought my Black socks. I know I bought my baggy Michigan shorts. I don't like to admit that too much. That was before I decided on Notre Dame. I know I did all that, not because of the University of Michigan, but because of the Fab Five. So th at the heart of their conflict, Ed Martin, this booster, uh, allegedly gives money to the players. And, and Weber pled guilty, and it started this, this trigger of events that became a conflict. It's gone on way too long. It's gotten way too personal. So aesthetically from the outside, when I heard that Jalen Rhodes and Chris Webber made amends, they made up, they squashed their beef, if you will. I got to be honest, I was happy. I'm like, these brothers should have done that long time ago. Ain't no way you should have spent close to 20 years, basically, in conflict. Jalen Rose did his documentary on the Fab Five. Chris Webber wasn't in it. How? I hear now Chris Webber might be doing a documentary on the Fab Five. I would imagine that Jalen Rose won't be in it. How? How because of this conflict? When the evil neutral party, because that at the core of what Kwame was saying, it, it comes here too. The evil neutral party, NCAA is coming across as neutral. Hey, you know. But they presented to these gentlemen an environment where you doggone right there's going to be a conflict. The legacy is tainted. The banners are taken down. They weren't welcome back on campus. You're doggone right there's going to be some conflict. So these two brothers was going at it. So when I heard that they had made up, when I heard that they squashed their beef, I got excited. I just immediately, knee-jerk reaction, that's cool, man. These brothers, this is what it's about. On the days to follow, in the days to follow, I'm realizing that that too was pageantry. That too was smoke and mirrors. It was the rope of dope. They hear, hear, bop. Keep your eyes here while they're punching you right there. It's the rope of dope. Because Chris Weber has since revealed that he didn't know that Chris Weber was going to do the interview. So he shows up. And he thinks that somebody else is going to do the interview. And lo and behold, 
She's not alone. Jalen is a part of the interview as well. To both of their credits, you can tell both of them are media trained. Now, I know Chris Webb is looking for a job, so it was very, very important for him not to fly off a handle because he's he's officially looking for a job. But, but to both of their credit, they didn't allow the conflict to take place on camera. To both of their credit, they acted respectable to one another. But when you read that Chris Webber didn't even know that Jalen Rose was going to do the interview, he got hoodwinked, bamboozled. Chris Webber didn't land on Planet Rock. Planet Rock landed on Chris Webber. When he walked in there and Jalen Rose is doing the interview. It, it brings me back to that Kwame moment where he's got a point. He's got a point. In the spirit of rules and engagement, Chris Webber from, De from Detroit, I don't know what part he's from, but, but, but Detroit, by way of Chris Webber, Detroit has just affirmed, by way of Chris Webber, that they just like Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I grew up. We could do this on camera, but Chris Webb was like, we got to get in a room and talk, fight, wrestle, something. Because you just said stuff about me that I heard what you said. Your platform was real big. We, we got to get in a room. Because no matter, again, two different worlds, no matter what the, 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 the fandom world sees, no matter what they see on the network, the worldwide leader, no matter what that is that we have to present to the, the America that we got to do on camera, there's another set of rules that I, I imagine that, 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 man, you slept on my floor at some point. We walked from gym to gym together. I gave you my last oodles and noodles. <laughs> if we struggled together from knee-high to a duck, we're not just going to pretend like all is well. I don't care what financial interest we both have in it. We can do that on camera. But I love the fact that Chris Webber said that that's not where it ends. We still got some talking to do. So I hope that those brothers get in the room. I hope they move all the furniture because them two big, big brothers. Move all the furniture. Because sometimes in the rules of engagement, especially when you come from certain neighborhoods, like my neighborhood, we got to do more than just pretend. We can't put a Band-Aid on something that is a gaping wound. You said stuff about me that I heard, and I said stuff about you that I know you heard, that the only way we truly get to the other side of what our relationship is going to be from this point forward is that we abide by those rules of engagement. I hope that those brothers work it out, but I love the fact that my man C. Webb it's like, we can do all the magic tricks we want. We can abracadabra all we want with that camera rolling. Ask the questions. I'm going to answer it. Said, said and acknowledged uh, very openly just how influential his mother, Jalen Rose's mother, had been on Chris Webber. And we know Jalen Rose recently lost his mother. So, so, so it looked as though it was peace in the Middle East. But Chris Webber. Under the rules of engagement, uh, said that that's not where it ends. So move the furniture. Make sure you stretch out. Make sure that you abide by the ultimate rules of engagement. We're going to fight each other, but we ain't going to hurt each other. 
and y'all get to the point where y'all have a real friendship again because this media stuff will have you man saying stuff and doing stuff that ultimately violate the code so i hope that those brothers get together and do what they need to do uh bill russell in this week uh who they have now described as a civil rights activist and NBA legend. And I love that the article said that first. Civil rights activist and NBA legend. The older that you get, because now he's 87 years old, the older that you get, people start to appreciate you for all the stuff that you did outside of basketball. Bill, Bill Russell been doing stuff outside of basketball for a while. So in his 87th year of being on earth, uh, he was acknowledged. He is uh, going to the Hall of Fame as a coach now as well. But what I love that he said this week, basketball, it was repeated. Uh, uh, he said it a long time ago, but it was repeated this, uh, this week. Basketball is what I do, not what I am. And at the core of a lot of this stuff, basketball is what I do, not what I am. That's what Kwame Brown was saying. Basketball is what we did. It's not who we are. There's a code that goes beyond the basketball that says who we are. You can't be using your platform as he said, to defamate me, to defamate uh, another black man. You can't do it. And so in Bill Russell week, which I'm going to go ahead and just call this week, because love me some Bill Russell, as an activist, uh, but more importantly, as a whole, a holistic person, a dynamic person, complex, well beyond just being one of the greatest ever to play the, the game of basketball. He says, basketball is what I do, not what I am. In that same week, when there's a basketball great, current great, Kyrie Irving, that was celebrating end of the season in the 50, 40, 90 club. That means you're going, you're, you're shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three-point range, and 90% from the free throw line. Only nine people in NBA history have finished the regular season in the 50, 40, 90 club. And that same week, Kyrie says, I don't want to talk about basketball. There are more important conflicts in the world. And that same week with Dennis Schroeder is still talking about the conflict that they had on the court and say, well, I can't wear his shoes no more. I'm going to give his shoes away. And that same week, Kyrie says, I want to talk about the conflicts in the world. Palestine and Israel and other religious and race ask me about those ask me about the injustices shout out to Kyrie I was one of the people laughed at him because he talked about the flat that the the, the the earth might not be round it's flat I was one of the people that, that that laughed at him when he talked about taking time away because I was taking my cues I was taking my hints from a world that doesn't understand the complexity. The complexity of people like Bill Russell, who says, basketball is what I do, not what I am. I was taking my cues from people that did not understand that there's a code. There's a code in the locker room. There's also a code in a community of people that have been on the wrong side of injustice. People that have been marginalized underrepresented communities that have that that have to deal with those injustices on a regular basis Kyrie is speaking up for those communities Kyrie is saying that talk to me about real conflict 
Talk to me about the real accomplishments of people to overcome these tragedies. So although he's the ninth ever to do it in NBA history, he's putting things in the context for us. And so, we'll end this week's my solo ball hog sports talk. We'll end this week from a rules of engagement standpoint. There. Because in each one of these fights, whether it be Kwame Brown getting upset with them calling him a bust, Jim McMahon upset that Bill Belichick lied to him, uh, Jalen Rose and C. Webb being pulled apart and fighting for all these years, when it really comes down to the rules of engagement, some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth risking it all for rolling up your sleeves and being part of the solution for defining that deeper and doing so in a way that might not be popular because as a 50 40 90 guy everyone would have been just fine with him talking about basketball shout out to Kyrie for being an example and making us think dif different and deeper about what real conflict is the next time you want to fight make sure it's worth it I missed my man, the Big Flow Show this week. He's out somewhere fishing, gallivanting, and doing his thing. Uh, I heard as a fisherman, he's a bust. I'm putting it out there in the universe. Uh, this has been the Ballhawk Sports Talk. Look, for, for, for those of you who have never come before, uh, you maybe you've never heard me say this before, uh, but for those of you who come back, you know I ask every week, humbly, please like, please comment, please share. Tag a friend, tag a foe, tag anybody that you know. Y'all see I got the haircut, baby. They can catch a fade. I can catch one, too. I cut it all off for my swearing in. My mama would want my haircut, so I did it. Uh, this is the Ball Hog Sports Talk with your boy, B. Brown, ESQ, a.k.a. the Ball Hog, a.k.a. the Mouth Stop, a.k.a. Mr. Excessive Celebration. Here at the Ball Hog Sports Talk, where sports, business, and entertainment collide. We did it rough, rugged, and raw, even on a solo mission. Please like, please comment, please share, and we's out. Enjoy your weekend, y'all. Peace.